The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. Greetings, pet lovers. You know, so much is going on in the next few weeks. Easter is over. You had a good Easter, right, Dr. Fleck? I did. It was pleasant. Passover is coming to an end next week, but there's so much excitement coming up for the 149th Kentucky Derby and the 147th Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. They're back to back. That's never absolutely happened. The two oldest continuously held sporting events having to do with animals, horses and dogs in the United States, two consecutive weekends back to back. Now, that is going to be outrageous, right? Sounds wonderful. Yeah, I know. I'm excited. Yeah. We've got some great interviews planned uh, with our friends at Churchill Downs in Louisville, Kentucky, and of course at Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show in New York. So you're going to have to follow us. Stay tuned. Hear what's going on in New York and you know, I totally agree with you. It's very exciting with lots of news coming forth from the events. But Charlotte, you've been on TV for this week, yes? Yeah, I have I I did, yeah. Well, how was that canine fitness tour? You know, it was great. This week I stopped at NBC Chicago, Fox Columbus, Fox Cincinnati and Fox Detroit. I just got back Saturday morning, so I'm kind of beat. But it was really fun discussing how to get your dog fit and really having a good time um, to do it because it really promotes bonding, whether you're doing agility, whether you're walking, whether you're swimming. You know, it's really about that bond. And, you know, look at it like this. You guys can be each other's coach. The one thing I did do when I did these shows is I wore a warm up suit because it was a workout. It was about working out, getting sweaty, getting your pet motivated. (laughs) But you know what? We need to talk about the show. So today we are talking about how a dog's love of discarded plastic bottles inspired a dog owner to help save the planet. Two women left a Home Depot store after their dog bit a customer that they engaged to help them with a canine training exercise. Talking about reading pet food labels with University of Georgia's Dr. Joseph Vargas, how to play tug of war correctly, talking to your vet about if your dog is overweight and... Well, I'm sure you've heard the saying, you are what you eat. And this is also true, not only for humans, but for pets too. It's important to note that scientific research increasingly reveals the ways in which food nourishes the gut and how that in turn affects not only gut health, but also immunity and overall being for our four-legged family members. So joining us today is veterinarian, Dr. Katie Tobert. Dr. Tobert is a clinical associate professor in the gastrointestinal laboratory at Texas A&M University and is a member of the Dog Aging Project Consortium. And we love the dog aging product. We are very interested in that. So Dr. Tolbert, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dr. Tolbert, how much does gut health, I guess, impact cat and dog health? And can you talk to us a little bit about what could happen if pets suffer from 
uh, a compromised immunity system? Yeah, so to tackle your first question, I mean, gut health is incredibly important. We know that obviously the foods we eat come in contact with our gut and the gut is really important to then, you know, help to get nutrients out to the rest of the body. So the gut can have a big impact on every system in the body, whether it's the brain, the kidneys, the heart. So it has a huge impact. And we also know that um, gastrointestinal signs like vomiting, diarrhea, poor appetite are the second most common reasons why people bring their pets to a veterinarian. So it's a really important, important um, topic. In terms of what can happen if they suffer a compromised uh, immune system, I mean, a wide range of things, right? So the immune system is really important, not only to protect you against things like, you know, to fight off the common cold, but also things like, yeah, GI, gastrointestinal signs, like we just talked about, vomiting and diarrhea, urinary tract signs. So poor or a compromised immune system can, you know, result in a wide range of signs throughout the body. You know, Dr. Fleck, this is so apropos now because we have spent the last few years really getting interested in gut health. And now we're doing it for our pets. So these these health trends, they go side by side. They run parallel, you know, first the people, then the dogs, right? What's interesting, the number one reason for going to seeing the vet is probably because of skin. Exactly. And the GI tract has a big impact on the skin. Yeah. It's incredible. I've been recognizing that more so in the last four or five years. So what do we need to know about the role gut health in relation to the digestive and immune system really is? And how do these systems work together to contribute to the status of our pet's gut health? Well, I mean, so first of all, it's important to recognize that so we think about the gastrointestinal tract or the gut as being this you know, singular tube, this organ where things just come in and nothing else happens. But in fact, the gut has the largest immune system of the entire body. So there's the most immune cells going through the gut of anywhere in the body. So there is a major interaction that occurs between the gut. And it's really important that the gut tells the immune system to chill out a little bit. I need to bring these nutrients in. So don't react against the nutrients or my body. Um, so there's a really, really big interplay that happens between them. And there's bacteria and enzymes and all this other stuff in there, mm -hmm. right? I mm -hmm. mean, it's crazy. And it just, I mean, how long is a dog's intestinal tract. <laughs> Several feet, but the interesting thing about it is that in fact, um, the, the, the length of it doesn't even tell the full story because the gut is organized in such a way that you have these projections, these villi in the upper part of your uh, intestine that actually then therefore increase the surface area of the gut. So the gut's really smart because it's like, I have to pack all this stuff in in a very short body. And so therefore I'm going to take advantage of, you know, having these finger-like projections so I can continue to absorb all these nutrients despite limited space. It's pretty amazing. Wow. Sounds like a scientific. Word. I kind of feel like I have to go and hang out with Dr. Katie, like for <laughs> the day and like see what's going on like up close and personal okay well if you've just joined us we're speaking with veterinarian dr katie tolbert dr katie as i like to call her is a clinical associate professor in the gastrointestinal laboratory at texas a&m one of our favorite universities they always provide us with such great people so dr katie how can pet parents support gut health 
So I think the most important thing is to make sure that the diet is a good diet. So what you're feeding your dog or your cat is what we call complete and balanced. And what that means is that you provide all the things that they need in the diet. So it's complete, but it's also balanced in a way that all the nutrients are in the appropriate ratios together. So that, so that's balanced. Um, and so I think making sure that you provide really good nutrition, one of the things that people don't understand when they're feeding their dogs or cats is that Treats are actually intended only for supplemental use, meaning that they're not complete and balanced. They're intended to say, hey, this is, you know, I love you. Good job. Uh, you know, I want you to continue to do what you're doing or I want to show you how much I love you, but they're not intended to provide complete and balanced nutrition. So you have to be really careful with the amount of treats that you provide a pet and make sure it's less than 10% of the total calories that they receive throughout the day. Especially since people are treating with raw hides and pig ears and all these greasy high caloric treats i'm laughing it's because i'm a regular practitioner and i deal with this issue every day and you i hate to say it you're a big treater <laughs> oh yeah that too yeah I yeah do what i say not what i do i know yeah, what's okay. your favorite treat to share cheese it's yeah. yeah yeah okay well those are good dr fleck you had a question about pet food. I got a ton of questions, but we'll go with this one. Since food plays a vital role in gut health, how can we choose a good food for our dogs and cats? And what should pet parents be looking for on pet food labels? It's really important to provide a complete and balanced diet. And the way that we can do that is making sure that the label says, that the diet is AFCO adequate. And what that means is that there is a this body of um, people who kind of decide what are the important nutrients that should be provided in a dog and cat food. And so then they put, you know, an AFCO adequacy statement, the company can put an AFCO adequacy statement on the label showing whether or not it actually has been approved. And the other thing to remember is that not only are you looking for that statement, but you want to also look for whether or not it's approved or adequate for the species and also for the life stage. So if it's a growing puppy, a growing puppy has very different needs than an adult or senior dog. So looking for those things is, is going to be critical. But, you know, Dr. Katie, so many people today want to experiment. They want to try <laughs> raw diets. They want to go um, vegan or vegetarian. They want to start making, you know, I did an interview for a TV show in Arizona not such a long time ago. And all of a sudden, the anchor said, well, what about making your own food? You know, I mean, you know, should I have cranberries? I guess now people are thinking about giving dogs and cats kefir. Is that what it's called? Kefir? You know, for fermented vegetables. I mean, it's all so confusing. I hear something new every day. So we need to take a commercial break and we'll return with Dr. Tolbert discussing gut health in our next segment. Also in our next segment is Celebrity Pet Buzz and Flex Facts. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. 
When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. www.epi-pet.com EpiPet is another proud partner of the Pet Buzz. Thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz. The show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We're back with veterinarian Dr. Katie Tolbert, who is joining us discussing the importance of gut health. What about legumes? I mean, you know, there was a you know, <laughs> few years ago we were talking about heart health and legumes. I mean, should we be looking for protein first? What other ingredients, you know, other than the things we can't pronounce? Tell us what you think. So, I mean, I think you have to think about what your goals are for your pet. And those goals are very different for very different people. And so some people have very strong reasons that they want to feed raw. And yes, there is a risk with feeding raw. So there's an increased risk of um, infections to both your pet and you. But there are ways that you can do it safely. Um, So it's important for that person to say, okay, this is sort of a deal breaker for me. I'm going to feed raw. And if you want to do that, you want to work with somebody who has knowledge with feeding raw. And usually that's a board certified veterinary nutritionist and they can help guide you. Again, there's no way that you can eliminate the risk of feeding a raw diet. Similarly, there's there's no way of, of avoiding risks with feeding a homemade diet. And the ris- biggest risk is that the diet could be very quickly incomplete and unbalanced. So working with a veterinary nutritionist, if you want to feed homemade, working with a veterinary nutritionist, you want to feed raw would be really helpful to make sure you can do that as safely as possible. A lot of schools, a lot of the vet schools have veterinary nutritionists on staff and you could get help in either taking their diets if you want a fresher diet versus just the kibble and the canned food. But I guess the most important thing to remember from these comments is if you're thinking about feeding something different, talk to your veterinarian and talk to a veterinary nutritionist. I, I really kind of have to laugh with this interview because every day I have pet parents come in and talk to them about what they're feeding. And well, they just won't eat anything. So anything, I have to feed barbecue chicken. All the, well, I've tried this and I've tried, so I'm cooking my own things now. And I said, and then, or the raw diet. And I, and I look at them with the raw diet and I'm thinking, you know, they probably can tolerate the raw diet, but can you tolerate the poor hygiene that you have to pick up all the diseases that we're worried about with the pet? Sure. Isn't that correct? More people have problem with the raw diet than do the pet. So I don't know. Well, we have to move on because we have to wrap this up in probably a minute or two. Dr. Talbot, in the last few years, I keep talking about what we're seeing then and what we're seeing now. So there are so many more supplements in the pet marketplace. Should pet parents be incorporating pre and probiotics in their overall pet's wellness plan? And then how do we select those supplements? Yeah, so let me first start off with just, you know, a quick definition of those two things. So prebiotics are these um, foodstuffs that you yourself can't digest or absorb, but your bacteria and your gut uses and create some really beneficial things for your gut. So those are prebiotics versus probiotics are generally bacteria, sometimes yeast that you take and you're trying to get a benefit in your in your gut or elsewhere of taking those probiotics. Um, there's really no evidence that they uh, necessarily will make you more healthy or healthier. Um, a lot of diets actually contain prebiotics. So there's no improvement with 
providing excess of those prebiotics. And probiotics we tend to use only in certain conditions, like things like acute diarrhea. And I have to say, other than with acute diarrhea, the evidence right now for the use of probiotics is, is quite limited. So there needs to be more research. Yeah, get to work. Oh, okay. So if we feel our pet has digestive issues or a compromised immune system, what should we as pet parents do? I think the biggest thing is talk to your veterinarian. I mean, your veterinarian is going to have the knowledge and be able to guide you in what, what's the right decision. If you want to try something like a probiotic, recognize that supplements, most supplements are not, um, they don't have to go any sort of regulation unless they're sort of qualified as drugs. Um, so you have to be really careful because sometimes they can contain things that they don't say that they contain. And sometimes they may not contain the things that they say that they, they contain. So veterinarians can help you kind of navigate that world um, and help you select the right supplements if that's something that you're interested in. And we didn't even talk about potential GI tract blockage, which well, is that's really, next that's time. That's next, next time. time. Okay. All right, Doctor Tobert, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you give us your website where we can learn more? Yeah, absolutely. So if if you guys wanted to go to the Texas A and M GI Lab, I think that's a great website to just find out more about us. Um, we do fundraising all the time to help support research into things like probiotics. So I would encourage you to do that. If you want to learn more about nutrition specifically, I would direct you to the Pet Nutrition Alliance. So that's petnutritionalliance.org. Um, and that will give you more information about nutrition and also give you more links to other websites that you can check out. Just to remind you, that was veterinarian Dr. Katie Talbert. Dr. Talbert is a clinical associate professor in the gastrointestinal laboratory at Texas A&M University discussing the importance of gut health. Time now for Celebrity Pet Buzz. And now, the latest news about celebrities and their pets. It's obsession. Aren't they cute? What's the name? What's the name? Well, you know, I didn't know this, but I thought Drew Barrymore, you know her from Charlie's Angels and her namesake talk show, The Drew Barrymore Show. Now she even has a line of uh, kitchen products uh, or lifestyle products at Walmart. Well, I used to think that her first acting gig was a copper tone sunscreen commercial that she appeared in as a baby. But I was mistaken. It turns out that her first commercial was a Purina dog chow commercial. And it seems as if Drew has come full circle with her career. Drew's an animal lover who has four cats and other pets, dogs and a bearded dragon. So our cats are Peaches Lucky, Big Kitty and Little Kitty Barrymore. And she's teamed up with Purina to promote their new litter. Well, the new litter available exclusively at Walmart is called Tidy Cat Comfort. It's been designed to have smaller granules based on the feedback from behaviorists and scientists. From now through May 8th, cat owners can visit Tidy Care Refresh. That's tidycarerefresh.com to tell tidy cats why they need a litter box area renovation. So one winner will see $5,000 in prizes to refresh their little area with items from Walmart, plus design tips from, from Drew Barrymore to create an atmosphere that cats and their humans can appreciate. Cat lovers, you might want to get on this. You could be a winner. Once again, visit tidycarerefresh.com. Up next, Flex Facts. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fiction. Just the facts, ma'am. You want answers. I want the truth. 
So, Dr. Fleck, what are we going to talk about today? Obese dogs or overweight dogs. So what should you do if you suspect your dog is overweight? <laughs> Stop feeding him so much. Overweight dogs can eventually suffer from the same ailments, such as joint and heart problems, as well as diabetes. If you believe that your pet is overweight, take your dog to the vet to be sure there are no underlying medical conditions causing the weight gain that need to be addressed. What kind of problems would cause weight gain, like thyroidism? Thyroidism is one of the contributing factors, um, just their general metabolic activity. The big thing is people overfeeding. Overfeeding. Okay. So your vet will most likely run some tests and suggest a weight loss diet, depending upon how overweight your dog is. Then you will be instructed to feed your dog a well-balanced dog food in slightly smaller portions than he's used to while you take him for two daily walks to increase his exercise. Work gradually until you have found your dog's proper balance between food and exercise that will allow him to remain in a healthy weight without further weight loss. Now, do people ask you if their dog is overweight or do you tell them that their dog is overweight? Very tricky question. Yeah, because you don't want to hurt their feelings because they might project that they're overweight, right? If the dog is having, say, uh, joint problems, it's a little easier to say, we need to take some of that weight off. Mm -hmm. If they're having cardiac problems, it's easier to say, you're making the heart pump too much. Uh, so those are usually the way that you move into instructing your basically without yeah. saying is your pet fat right or you know because then they look at themselves too let's talk about the exercise really quickly do you recommend the two i mean the two walks a day that's a good thing just think how good that is for the people too sure so you're, you're producing better health for the pet you're producing better health for the people i think it's great i mean that's really the great part about canine fitness month it's a chance for you and your pet to bond together and you could both get out there and lose some weight and you know they really do appreciate that bonding too, that more time that you spend with them, they really cherish that. Well, anything else, Dr. Fleck? That's all the Flex Facts for the week. Well, thank you very much. Great topic, diet and exercise. Everybody needs to slim down and stay fit, especially Fido. According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Epi-pet.com. EpiPet is another proud sponsor of the Pet Buzz. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio, where we focus on enhancing the bond between pets and their people. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Let's kick off this segment with the I Likey of the Week. That's the way it has to be, because that's the way I like it. It's genius. It's to die for. You know, it's Canine Fitness Month. April is Canine Fitness Month. And I want to promote 
not such an oldie, but a goodie. This week, I want to talk about the Climb Fitness Platform. That's Climb with a K. The Climb is a professional training platform that gives your dog a place to focus. It looks like a table and is the first professionally designed dog training platform that gives your dog their own place to facilitate faster learning and better results. Tested and proven by experts, this system uses an elevated deck with a proprietary paw grip surface for sure footing to give dogs really a platform to exercise, uh, focus and learn, as well as develop skills and curb unwanted behaviors. For example, if your dog has a tendency to jump on visitors when they come to the door, put them in a sit stay on the climb while you answer the door, greet your visitors and usher them into your home. Use it indoors and outdoors. It's available in three colors with removable legs. The climb is great for fitness too. It costs about $159. You can purchase additional training and conditioning videos starting at $19.99. Check out the website, read the reviews by thankful pet owners at blue with the hyphen nine.com. That's blue hyphen nine.com. We've got mail. You've got mail. Jan from Atlanta writes in with a question. She wants to know if playing tug of war with a dog is a good thing or a bad thing. She's got a Rottweiler who loves the game, but she's not sure if the game helps or contributes to aggressive behavior. Well, I'm going to answer you this, Jan. Jan, it really depends on how you play the game. So tug of war can promote impulse control, build confidence, and strengthen the bond between dogs and owners. It's an activity that taps into natural drives, making it motivational, reinforcing, and it can be used as a high-value training tool. It's also a great way to burn off excess energy and keep your dog in great physical as well as mentally stimulated. So by letting your dog win the game, during a game of tug, you aren't necessarily letting them dominate you. Instead, you're nurturing a solid rapport and teaching them that engaging with you is fun and rewarding. Allowing dogs to win means they can celebrate their prize, but it also prevents them with a wonderful opportunity to bring the toy back to you. So when it's done correctly, the tug session should be kept relatively short, a few minutes in length, so that they have impulse control, so that the impulse control is built in. Dogs need to learn that when the game is over, they drop the toy. Most importantly, the game is something that the dog has to be invited to do with you, not the other way around. So you want to strive for these two or three tugs in a session. Then you cap it off by doing a thinking exercise. So if he sits and stays, then you give him a treat. He gives you the toy and you put it away. Okay. So choosing the right tug toy for your dog is also very key. You need to pick something that has a long length. It should be easy for the dog to re-grip so that they will not bite your hand by mistake. So many times you see people when they're playing with a tug toy or playing the game of tug of war, the rope is really short. And then when the dog jumps and re and then re goes to bite the tug toy, they actually mistakenly bite the owner's hand. You also want to play healthy. So you want to keep or make sure that the dog's spine is in neutral alignment. You don't want to just yank the toy up and down with the 
the dog's feet coming off the ground. And you also want to make sure that the neck is not contorted or twisted. So you really just want to apply a moderate amount of pressure um, when you're playing with a dog. And there should always be light resistance when you're playing with young puppies or senior dogs because they don't really engage with the toy as much as you think they would. So my advice to you, Jan, is when make tug of war enjoyable for you and your dog, but also play by these rules, these safe rules, so that you'll have the best time possible. Our next guest is on the phone, so let me introduce the segment. Joining us today is Dr. Joseph Barges. Dr. Barges is a board-certified veterinary nutritionist and professor of internal medicine in the Department of Small Animal Medicine and Surgery at the College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Georgia. I love the fact that he is the Bulldog Veterinary Medicine Professor. Welcome to the Pet Buzz, Dr. Barges. Thank you, and thanks for inviting me. Is there really such a thing as the um, bulldog veterinary professor? What is that all about? So basically, it's a sort of an honorary uh, title based on an endowment. And so there's a little bit of money that comes with it that I can use to do research and and fund some things. But um, there are actually three professorships in, in the department. One is just called the College of Veterinary Medicine Professorship. One is the 1946 or 8, which is based on when the school opened after world after the World Wars. And then the one that I was um, selected for um, or chosen for is the Bulldog Veterinary Medicine Professorship. So, I mean, is the uh, cherry on the cupcake the fact that Uga just smells you and approves you? Um, well, I no, I don't know if that was taken into account or not. Um, uh, it is ironic though, because I actually do, uh, take care of him. Uh, and so, uh, it, when it happened and I was unaware of this, when it happened, it was, uh, it was a surprise and, and we all, you know, sort of chuckled about it too. My next question is, uh, do you have a picture of the two of you together? I do actually several. Will you send us one? I can send you one, yeah. Okay, great. So now let's talk pet food labels. So what is a pet food label? I mean, who regulates this type of communication and such? So the FDA, so there are several agencies involved with just regulating pet food in general, and they all have a different role. So the USDA regulates how plants are grown, what's organic, what's not organic, natural, not natural, things like that. There, there are definitions um, how um, food animals are housed handled, treated. The uh, FDA is actually the regulatory agency, the Centers of Veterinary Medicine, and they uh, are the not only the regulatory uh, organization, but they're the ones who pursue legal action uh, if there is a problem with a pet food or, or whatever. The uh, Association of American Feed Control Officials are independent state organizations that are part of a larger national organization and they put forth what the nutritional profiles are so what does it mean to be an adult dog like what what are the nutrient levels that are required what are the definitions of the ingredients in a food um how do you validate a food is complete and balanced um for the different life stages so that that's the way that it it all unfolds. And so the AFCO regulates 
the Association of American Feed Control Officials, AFCO, regulates basically the interstate transport of food. If a food is sold across state lines, then that's where they're involved. But if someone, and they regulate what's on the label, but if someone, um, if a company doesn't follow those regulations and they, AFCO has no role in pursuing uh, action, they've got to submit it to FDA. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, you know, I guess after reading pet food labels, many pet owners are confused and ingredients versus nutritional facts, guaranteed analysis. Um, what does it all mean? For example, what's the difference between ingredients and nutrients? Well, they're, they're not distinctly different, but ingredients contain the nutrients. So when we talk about nutrients, we're really talking about what most people mean is how much protein, what's the protein content, what's the fat content, what's the sodium content, whereas the ingredients are actually the food. So, you know, when we talk about high salt foods, you know, that's the nutrient, but then the foods are the ingredients. Okay, well, we're going to take a commercial break and return with Dr. Barges. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, epi-pet.com. EpiPet is another proud sponsor of the Pet Buzz. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck here at the Pet Buzz. We are urban, suburban, and and country. Well, we're back with Dr. Joseph Barges talking about pet food labels. And it seems like it's a little confusing still and a little bit. Uh, the rules could be interpreted differently. But Dr. Barches, can you give us some advice about preservatives and pet food? Can you yeah. a few of them for us so we can recognize them when we're reading a label? So there are different types of pet foods that are out there. The most commonly ones, and some people call them conventional, although that's not a very good term in my opinion, but would be a canned food or a dry food. Those are diets that have been around for about 60, 70 years maybe. Uh, those did not come into play Dry food in particular didn't come into the marketplace until the 50s, and it was based on making cereal, actually Czech cereal, Um, and they used that process to make pet food. So that's the reason why dry foods are often very high in carbohydrates because it's a cheap source uh, of ingredients. It's a cheaper source than animal protein, and uh, it's the process that was used. Canned foods came about in the 20s or 30s or so. What was originally horse meat, but uh, then it became more complete and balanced. Um, so 
what you have to look at though is what's within your price range Mm-hmm. And what's within your personal feelings about what you want to feed your dog or cat? So there are a couple of things to keep in mind. And, and this comes back to the preservatives. Canned foods will have some degree of preservation because there has to be a way to keep the bacterial, you know, the bacterial contamination down. And so they will do things like adding an acid or a bac- another bacterial organism that changes the pH or something like that, that, that will prevent contamination okay and what would what would you know give us a name or something like that is that possible oh it's sometimes hard to say sometimes it'll say phosphoric acid um sometimes it'll be when the foods are cooked under high heat the the heat will they'll canned foods are cooked under high heat and then they're vacuum packed that's why when you open a can of food there's always space and a pop kind of or yeah and a pop um so there'll be like a sort of a divot uh uh, in the middle of the can or it won't touch the sides of the can because it has to allow for expansion and contraction of the food as it's being cooked in the can changing shape as it's being uh, cooked at that high temperature um dry food does it by having a low water content so dry foods typically contain about 10% water. It's not enough to allow mold and bacteria and stuff to grow. But then what they also do is they add other things to make it more palatable. And that's usually something called digest, where they take fat from, like if it's chicken flavor, chicken fat, and they digest it down and then they stop it by adding an acid to it. And then they spray it on the dry food. That's the reason why dry food bags have that wax paper on the inside and has sort of a greasy feel that's the that's the in part what gives the flavor to the food the other things that are preservatives are used for besides containing bacteria down um would be and they're not really preservatives but to give it um uh, appearance um you know things that are cut in the shapes of cheese and things like that Um, that's why sometimes it's like looks like orange and yellow and all those right right uh or or like a little fish or a piece of cheese or something and then the other preservation that's done is to prevent the fat in the food from becoming rancid from oxidizing and so there'll be antioxidants added to the food they may be things like tocopherols which are vitamin e or vitamin okay. c or something like that or they may be synthetic things like um bha bht and you can still use ethoxyquin but most people have taken that have no longer used that in their pet foods but but sure. something to prevent the fat from becoming oxidized okay we started to touch on fillers and i know you mentioned corn would you i guess corn is considered a filler correct no there's no, no. such thing as a filler okay. um I mean, people call it fillers because of the digestibility and all of that, but corn actually, depending on how it's made uh, and the process it goes through can be very digestible. Corn gluten meal is a very good source of nitrogen. Um, And so, you know, a filler would basically be something that has no nutritive value, right? I mean, it's just filling it up, but even fiber has nutritive value. So there's really not fillers per se um, in pet food. Time is always of the essence and we need to wrap up this interview with Dr. Vargas. And we thank him very much for joining us today. Well, just to remind you, that was Dr. Vargas, a board-certified veterinary nutritionist and professor of internal medicine in the Department of Small Animal Medicine and Surgery at the College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Georgia. Uh, He is the Bulldog Veterinary Medicine Professor. What a pleasure it was to speak to him. 
And now, Pet Buzz News from around the globe. Well, according to authorities, a Home Depot customer was bitten in the face by a dog while shopping in a Colorado store last month. The customer was visiting a Home Depot in Colorado when the dog's owner and trainer approached him. The dog owner asked the customer to give the dog a treat as part of its training. The customer agreed and then was swiftly bitten in the face by the canine. The dog owner and the trainer then left the building while the store employees were tending to the victim. Basically, they snuck out of the store. They tried to do it casually. So both women were recorded on the store surveillance cameras. Police say the victim sustained serious injuries and will need facial surgery because of the attack. The local sheriff's office posted surveillance pictures on Thursday to seek help in identifying the owner of the dog. They located the suspect later that night. The owner will be held accountable for restitution and could possibly be involved in an enforcement action. For dog bites, the dog is quarantined at their home for 10 days to ensure the dog is not exhibiting any behaviors associated with rabies. At this time, no charges have been announced, said the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office, but they're still investigating the incident. So this is an unfortunate happenstance. It is one of these reasons that as much as I love dogs, they don't belong in stores unless they're service dogs. Many dog owners are careless in these type of situations, asking civilians to get involved in dog training. And now look what happens. An innocent person gets bitten and is suffering pain. It's just unbelievable. And most and I'm sure this dog owner and the trainer do not have insurance. You've heard me say it a million times. If you have a dog, you need to get a dog bite waiver on your rental insurance or your homeowner's insurance. Okay. So last year, insurance companies paid out $853 million in dog bite insurance claims. The average dog bite claim was $51,000. You know, as a result of the carelessness, I suspect the owner, the trainer, and Home Depot will be sued. So this is another case in which a few bad apples really ruin it for everyone. And that's unfortunate. Tell me something good. News of the day got you down? No worries. Pet trendologist Charlotte Reed is here with Tell Me Something Good. This is a necessity like air and oxygen. Tell me something Well, April is Earth Month. For the love of the planet, make a contribution. Sometimes those relatively small contributions can turn into big things. So, for example, in 2018, while sick from her job as a primary school teacher, a Scottish dog owner started a campaign to encourage people to pick up plastic on their daily walks. She says that her dogs have always picked up plastic bottles on walks. She thinks they enjoyed the crunching, the satisfying crunch noise. She noted that once they picked up the bottle, she felt obligated to put the plastic bottle in a trash bin. And so inspired by her dogs and research in which she came across a program run by the British Council encouraging people to start a social action group in their local areas based on plastic pollution. Well, the action group is now called Pause on Plastic. You can find it on Facebook. The group has over 15,000 members spreading the group's activities over 60 countries and in six continents across the world. And together, 
everyone is pledging to pick up 22 million pieces of plastic litter this year. I just joined up and started to pick up plastic on my daily dog walks. Members of this group pledged to pick up two pieces of litter while out walking their beloved hounds, simply pick up items by using a spare poop bag, take them home to empty into your recycling bin, and if possible, save the bag to use again. Post a lovely photo of your dog on the page to celebrate your efforts and spread the word. Remember, you're responsible for keeping yourself and any accompanying companion safe. All the pieces you pick up help to reduce the amount of plastic ending up in the sea. The charity registered in Scotland aims to protect animals, communities, and our precious environment. The charity also educates on the consequences of littering. Join the Facebook group, Pause on Plastic. I did. We need to help clean up the planet. Now that's something good. Hey, did you hear those chimes? What? Is it done already? I know. It's a wrap. But before we go, we want to give you a preview of next week's show. Well, next week, we're talking about how the shortage of veterinarians and the high cost of vet care is affecting pet owners and how pets, pet owners, landlords and developers benefit from pet friendly housing. Would you be so kind as to thank our guest, Dr. Fleck? Yeah, really special thanks to our guest veterinarian, Dr. Katie Tolbert and veterinarian, Dr. Joseph Barga. And of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin, coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. If you have a question, write to us at team at petbuzz.com. We'll cover it on next week's show. And if you've missed any portion of the show, visit our social media channels, as well as listen to your favorite streaming channels and listen to the linked podcast on Monday morning. And most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. www.thepetbuzz.com Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.